0: Welcome to Elisha's Space Podcast, where we explore fascinating stories of individuals making a difference. In today's episode, we have the privilege of introducing Dr. Jeremy Butler, an inspiring figure making a significant impact on the University of Arizona campus. Dr. Butler holds an earned doctorate and currently serves as a campus missionary supporting and guiding students in their spiritual journeys. With a diverse background, including pastoring and holding various positions within multiple churches, Dr. Butler brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to our discussion. However, what sets him apart is his openness about his personal journey with bipolar one disorder and his own battles with depression. Join us as we delve into Dr. Butler's remarkable story of triumph over adversity and how he uses his experience to inspire and empower others.
1: Hello, audience of Elisha Space. Thank you for joining us today for another great and fantastic episode. So today I have Dr. Jeremy Butler. He is currently a campus missionary at the University of Arizona. He has worked in various positions at different churches and throughout this time he's been diagnosed as having bipolar 1 and has had some challenges with depression. So I'm so excited that he can share with us his testimony and his story and that as a result you can be encouraged and get some nuggets of healing as we talk within this journey. So I welcome you, Jeremy, with joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Could you share a little bit about your journey? How did you get to where you are today?
2: Oh, that's a great question. First of all, I was born in Oklahoma and I grew up in a Some people would say a religious household, a Christian household. I went to church regularly, and a lot of people now say they were forced to go and didn't enjoy it. I always had a good experience with church most of the time. Just like anything else, if you have good experiences 99% of the time, there's going to be always the 1% that you won't, if that makes sense. And I am an only child, so that makes life interesting when you're an only child, because my parents are quite a bit older than most of my other friends' parents, so that made life interesting, too. But when I was growing up, I had an aunt that was bipolar, except they called her manic depressive at the time. And what they really called it was she was crazy. And we use that word crazy sometimes, say, oh, that person's crazy, but it wasn't a positive way they... Said it. She basically was just thrown in a mental institution. wasn't given help, and but I say that to say this: no one really, when I was growing up, really talked about mental illness, at least in the church. Oh, and especially all this. in the church. And all right. and when I was sixteen, I had a friend commit suicide. And the thing is, is it really wasn't talked the difference between depression and grief. With grief, there is depression that can go with it. But I felt while we would call clinical depression with that, it was separate than grief, if that makes sense. Because nobody wanted to talk about my friend had committed suicide, hardly, most people didn't want to talk about him. Let's just forget it it happened. And I wanted to talk about it. So that's really when I really first felt depression when I was 16, that I remember. But it really didn't flare up until I was older. And most people who are bipolar, by the time they're 25, they're diagnosed. I was almost 40 because I went to graduate school. I did stuff in churches. I was a missionary overseas. Got married in that time and moved to New Mexico. And I worked really long hours. I taught school. I pastored two churches, which by the way, if you have high levels of stress, it magnifies mental illness. And so during that time, my wife sat down with me and she said, Something is not normal with you. And basically, I'd go through three or four weeks at a time, sleeping about an hour a night. I'd have five or six things going on. I'll go in the middle of the night to the gym two or three times, which some of your listeners might say, What's wrong with that? Our gym was an hour away. I would randomly go do things, like just randomly, like without telling anybody. So my wife would wake up and be like, Where's my husband at? They should call me. I'm like, I'm at Denny's two hours away eating breakfast at 4 a.m. Have trouble concentrating. I've always gone from one idea to the next, like ramble a lot, but it got really bad. That's the mania. Then I crashed and had depression and slept like 12, 14 hours a day for about two weeks. And my wife said, lovingly, it wasn't me. This might sound mean, but it wasn't. She says, either we'll, we'll go to your doctor or we'll take you to the emergency room. So I went to the doctor and I, they did blood work. And I said, I'm depressed. And he sent me a psychiatrist, find out I was also diabetic. So that plays into that. There's a high rate of between bipolar and diabetes, heart conditions, and that's partly because they don't know 100%, but partly because it's harder for people with bipolar to eat correctly, sleep well, all that. Basically, over the next two or three months, my psychiatrist, she did some tests. She did more blood work, talked with me. She said, I think you're bipolar, but she wanted to do a brain scan because she says, I don't want to rule out anything like, A brain tumor. I know that sounds scary, but she wanted to make sure that before she gives me medicine that's for something that I don't have something else. And so that was about a two-month process, and I finally started taking some medication. And my medication I've taken has helped me. It's not a silver bullet. I say it's like this. I tell people, if you drink lots of caffeine, it can help wake you up, but it'll never do the job of sleep. So a mood stabilizer that I'm on is it helps regulate things. But if I don't do things like eat better, I've lost about 120 pounds the last six or seven years. Exercise, if I don't talk to a counselor, all these things help with it. Medicine isn't gonna do what it should. Medicine isn't a a silver bullet. It's an aid like the others. And that's what I tell people. And thankfully I had a good doctor that explained it that way, that it's a holistic approach. And it was very embarrassing. How can I be a pastor and be bipolar? Now I don't really care. I'm like, I have it. It is what it is. Maybe I can help people. But it was very embarrassing to me at first because I felt like a failure.
1: Why did you feel like a failure? And
2: that goes. That kind of went to some of our other questions. I, I hit on that a little bit later. I just thought I'm here to help other people. And I just felt ashamed needing help, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But okay. all of us need help at times. And if you, don't, if you need help and don't take it, that's the first step in getting help with anything. One of my friends who's been clean from drugs and alcohol for years said that the only way he got help was when he told somebody I need help. I don't know how to get help, but I need it. That's the first thing I tell people was you might not know how to get help, but knowing that you need it and seeking it is the first step. I guess you could say it's pride on my part. I didn't want to be embarrassed and basically make people think less of me. And that's really bad. Here I was supposed to help people and I wouldn't seek the help I needed. Hmm. I did, and it's not been perfect, but it's been a lot better, and I sleep better, I eat better. I've moved here now to be a campus missionary here at the University of Arizona, and it's a big campus, 51,000 students, but it's a job that I really love doing. And I did love pastoring, but when you're having to work three jobs to make a living, and you're working 100 hours a week, it's not conducive to life. In the long term. And that's why I tell people, you have to find rest and things you enjoy from time to time. And that looks different to everybody.
1: Absolutely.
2: So that's my journey. Wow.
1: Wow. Thank you for sharing that. So let's touch on that topic of failure and that you felt like because you are a leader, you felt like you were a failure because you needed help. That's
2: interesting to me.
1: What was the journey around that brought you on the other side of that?
2: I think it was threefold. I grew up in a church setting that never said if you have health problems or if you need help, you're a failure. I never grew up in that. But, you know, here in America, I grew up in a culture where it's pretty popular the last 40 years to hear people say, if you have any health problems, any type of problem, you just need more faith and need to pray it away. Which I, I feel like is really not helpful, the what? very least. And is very damaging you, to a lot of people, if that makes sense.
1: It does, because I'm trying to think of how to say it, because I know people are also well-meaning when they make that statement. But it's like something is wrong with you because you have these challenges. Or you must have committed some kind of a sin. Or yeah. you, you get where I'm coming from. Like it's something shameful. Yes. And... I think it's changing now, but only because of the new messages that are going out. We're seeing more church leaders talking about it and trying to make it more normal. You know what I'm saying? But I think there's quite a few people that will get up and will say, can you please pray for me? I have a diagnosis of cancer, for example, mm-hmm. and People will get together and pray for that person. We'll use the phrase, lay hands on them and Mm -hmm. pray for them. But if someone is struggling with depression or someone has been diagnosed with a mental illness disorder, that person, a lot of times they don't feel like they can go up to the altar and ask for prayer.
2: That's very true. And as a person of faith, I want to encourage people to ask for prayer. I think people should, but I agree with you. It's hard because some people are just more private than others. Some people are wired that way, I'm not. I'm not wired that way, but some people are. But secondly, you said people mean what they do, but there's just so much misinformation on the internet. And and I, I just try to explain to people, sometimes if you don't know what to say to people, just say, hey, I love you, how can I help you? And sometimes it's as much as that. And don't be afraid to ask people if they come to you and say, I have bipolar, and they're telling you that, say, I don't know why that is. Please explain that to me what that means to you. Because so many people don't understand how to help people with that. And people can mean well, but sometimes it's it's like my parents. They, they, they really do mean well. But mm-hmm. they show you their old schoolness. They're born in the 40s, and the idea was just work through it. And there's truth right. to that. There is truth. There is truth to that. A lot of times, we just have to work through it and just wait through our depression. But sometimes, I didn't want you to tell me that. I just want to tell you I'm horrible today, and I'm just going to tell you. Does that make sense? And so my parents even have learned, when I'm telling them I'm having a bad day, just say, okay. And then we just talk about something else afterwards. So it's a learning process for our body. So I say that to people who listen and say, I've told some people some bad advice. All of us have. We can all just... Learn to help people better, if that makes sense. So don't, if you've given people bad advice, don't beat yourself up over it. Just sit here and think, oh, maybe they just need me to listen to them and maybe take them out to get some to eat or hang out with them or whatever. And I think secondly, you hit on something too, is I think many people in faith traditions think that if they have faith in God, nothing bad will happen to them. One of the greatest preachers in the 1800s in England named Charles Spurgeon who I read about, he would be diagnosed probably with bipolar today. He was went through long periods of depression. And people have been there before. I just say, if it helps you read people who've been through it before and realize you're not the first one, and it's okay to know that you're suffering through something other people have. And yeah, I just encourage people to see a doctor. I'm not saying medicine's always the cure. There might be other things going on that are there that attribute to, if my blood sugar's up, my depression is worse, if that makes sense. There it might does. be other things going on, but I tell people, I'm a pastor, I'm a missionary, but I'm not a professional doctor. I have to learn when I can say to people, encourage them, maybe you should go seek professional help and get some labs run just to see if there's something going on. And that's attributed to, to making it worse than it is. I think that's helpful to people.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So as someone who's had been diagnosed with bipolar one disorder, and you touched on the fact that you've had some experiences with depression as well, which is also part of the -hmm. disorder, by the way, audience, how has your mental health journey influenced how you see things with your faith how has it influenced your ministry and even like your day-to-day inter- interactions with others?
2: I, I always say to people, it's a blessing and a curse. And I say that because sometimes people who have bipolar or mental illness need to learn to laugh a little more and to laugh at ourselves. But the bipolar, you have those highs and the low lows and people who just go through depression, I shouldn't say just, but when they, they have depression without mania, the depression is not worse for people who have bipolar. It just makes it seem worse because you're coming off a high where you feel invincible and you go through depression. It's not worse. But I say that to say that when I go through, I feel like I'm more creative than some people in some ways. And I have lots of ideas. And I go from idea to idea. And so the students I work with understand that. And so they can laugh and be like, that's just Jeremy. So I say there's a blessing there because I see things a little bit differently. And also I say part of the blessing is when I talk to students who are bipolar and they're having struggles, I can empathize with them. I might not understand their exact case, but I can say, I understand a lot of where you're going through. And also the curse is that you just have to learn how to deal with the highs and lows. And it's gonna be there and realize, people say, I wish I was normal. And I'm like, I don't know what normal is. But I do understand that sentiment. You wish you weren't having to go through the highs and the hit the lows. But it's colored the way I see things because I I guess I've learned to embrace it. It, I I have it. I can't do anything about it. I can work on it and be better. I just see things differently than other people. And many people who have it are very creative. I'm not creative as far as music or other things, but I have lots of ideas about just go through my brain. And so I, I harness that energy. And Just try to use it when I go through those times to get work done.
1: I think about that scripture talked about where Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. So people that think that it's an easy life, it's not going to be an easy life. In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. And because we are in him, we are overcomers. So I hold on to that a lot too. When you said, I just want to be normal. I don't know what normal is. Yeah. What is normal? I think this is normal. Living is normal. Facing challenges and problem solving, that's normal. Learning how to function, that's normal. You know what I mean? What's not normal is giving up, quitting. You see what I'm saying? That's yeah. not normal. So I think probably the definition of normal needs to be redefined because I don't think there's such a thing as normal. Yeah,
2: I think What's normal is the unnormal things. That's normal. So true. I I tell students all the time, some of them wish they were more extroverted or whatever. And I said, Be who God made you.
1: Absolutely.
2: (laughs) I tell our introverted students, y'all do things better than I do. Like me being extroverted and bipolar, I can talk to lots of people, but I struggle with quietness. I struggle with. Sometimes it's hard. I can be like, I talked to that person three weeks ago, but who are they again? Where some of our introverted students can have a four-hour conversation with a person and they're good at it. And so again, what is normal? That's so true. And yeah, like just realizing you do have troubles at times. That's, yeah, it's made other troubles, I guess, seem different. But just tell my students I have it and showing it. Like when they see me struggle with things, I think it helps them realize they can be sincere and open up with struggles too and help each other.
1: So throughout your various roles and ministry and Mm -hmm. your personal journey, do you have any specific scriptures or passages or teachings that have been particularly meaningful to you or have helped you in
2: some challenging times? Yes, I have two main ones, but there's a lot. I tell people there's a couple websites you can go to. One's called OpenBible.info. You can just type OpenBible and type in a subject, and it'll give you the verses. And a website called God Questions. Mm-hmm. You can type in a subject, and it'll give you examples. Those are, will be helpful if you need to know more verses. But I think the Psalms are really good for people because they hit on the so Psalms many on so yes. many human emotions. Um, but I think my two favorite is in Hebrews chapter four. It talks about Jesus being our high priest. And it says that he went through all of our struggles. He was tempted in every way, but did not sin. But he sympathizes with us. And it reminds me of Luke chapter 11. I believe it's Luke chapter 11, where Mm -hmm. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And there's a little verse there that says, might be John chapter 11, but where Jesus says, it says Jesus wept and People think, why is he weeping? Because Lazarus, he knew where Lazarus was. He was sad because the people were sad. And I think we gloss over that in the Western world because, at least in America, because even if we have hard times, some of us have never been through many things that many people like in, like Sub-Saharan Africa have been through, who've lost their whole family or what different places. But that's comforting me to know that Jesus wept with people who were in pain. And I think we forget that we have a savior. We have a God that empathizes and cares for us. And I just, that gave me comfort.
1: Oh, wow. That's a powerful teaching, a powerful teaching. I'd also like to add to that Elijah Mm -hmm. in the Bible, not Elisha, not the one I might named after, but Elijah, the one who was in the cave, he had some severe depression, Mm -hmm. even to the point of suicide. And the Psalms, I agree with you, is very good to look at because David went through, you could see his anxiety and you can see his depression. If you think about it, his experience, he wasn't even in mid-20s, I believe, and he was kicked out of his own country. I think that would depress and give anybody Mm
2: -hmm.
1: anxiety.
2: Very true.
1: I mean... (laughs) We're both in the United States. I personally, I have moments where I think, oh, I think I'd like to move to such and such a country. But then I think about, to my core, I'm an American and I really don't want to learn another <laughs> culture. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's a lot to think about too. So he's someone to study through the scriptures mm-hmm. as well. audience is reading his story. I would also say, I'm trying to think of who else would be good... And you well, can jump in if
2: you can. Lamentations, the book of Lamentations with Jeremiah.
1: Yep. Lament uh, Job.
2: Yeah. Job. <laughs> I always tell people if you're if you have fans, listeners that listen to heavy metal, I have a chart somewhere that shows books of the Bible on the top metal and it says Lamentations because it's very when you first read Lamentations, it's very discouraging. But then you read it and it's like yeah. No, it's it, it is, but it isn't because it shows that we can show our emotions to God and he already knows many ways. And there's a lot of places. And in fact, you read even the gospels, and I just think, my goodness, Jesus was patient. I feel a lot like Peter. I do so many things. He Peter meant well. He told Jesus, No, you will not die. You will not do this, Jesus. And what happened? Peter just he was a great failure. And then, like I mean, from the outsiders looking in, people say, like one Arthur I said Peter was the greatest failure in his own mind. But if you read in Mark's account of the resurrection, Jesus says, go tell the disciples and Peter to come meet me. Why did he say that? Because Jesus knew why he was thinking. In his own mind, he was a failure. And then what did Peter do? He was used by God at Pentecost. And so, yeah, I I just think, yeah, we we have so many examples of people that failed greatly in the Bible and throughout history, but we're still successes in life and sometimes life is going to be hard and sometimes we're going to mess up, but that's life. And we have to, I think as a church, as Christians give each other grace and help each other. That's a huge
1: one giving each other grace.
2: Yeah. Yeah. and Look, I'm not saying don't take me out of context here. Look, I had a friend that was in jail in the penitentiary for years. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that there's times people aren't going to pay for consequences of their actions and that you're going to have to help them by not enabling them, I'm not saying enable people, but sometimes we can be too hard on people we don't understand. I've never struggled with alcoholism or drug addiction, but other people have, and if they're seeking help, we should help them and empathize with them. And does that make sense? Absolutely. Don't enable them, but empathize with them, have grace towards them, because they might be trying to get help. They may just not know how to get help. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. One last question. I appreciate everything you're sharing with Mm -hmm. me. This has just been such a valuable conversation. Mm -hmm. Before I ask the question, I'm just going to quickly summarize. Something I think that you've done is, first of all, you had had a great support system Mm -hmm. with your wife. She's part of your tribe. She's Mm -hmm. part of your community. And then also, too, you just got really into your faith and got a better understanding of the Lord and how much he cares for you. Mm -hmm. And that has helped significantly in your healing journey. Is that correct? Oh, and medication.
2: Yes. Very true. Sleep, also sleep, diet, everything. There's a lot that goes into that, but yes, all that combined.
1: Okay. And my last question is, is there a resource that, or what has helped you as far as a book or a website or a teaching specifically that the audience can go to. If you can't think of anything, it's okay. But I was just wondering if you had any. Yes,
2: advice. I do. Let me get the book real quick. Now this is called Understanding and Loving a Person with Bipolar Disorder. Um, okay. And it's oh, from see. Stephen Arder Brown okay. and Becky Light Brown, and I can email you a link to it. Okay,
1: that would be great. Yes. What I'll do is in the show notes, I will make sure to put link in there so you can purchase the book. Yeah. Is this book, and it's okay if it's not a faith-based, but just so the audience knows, is this a faith-based book or is it just pretty much information?
2: No, it it is a faith-based book. It's by Christians. Stephen Arnberg, he's a founder of a ministry called New Life Ministries, which does Christian counseling and stuff. And I'll email you that as well. Okay. But it's more for people. It's helped me too, but it's more for people who have people in their life who is bipolar. And I think you'll really help them understand what to help them, if that makes sense. It does. Um, and it, and it, I read it too, and it my eyes up and I thought, wow, it makes me understand myself a little bit, mm-hmm. but it helped me to understand what my wife and other people are going through with me. If That makes kind of help me understand them a little bit, but that's helpful. And um, I was going to say just uh, another thing is to um, with that is um, if you don't mind me piggyback off of this, but I think something that's helpful is to um, just tell people that are close to you, start with a few. If you have this like bipolar, just tell them because I think it's powerful to let people know. But also what was very helpful to me is I called a couple of my friends, people I grew up with that are medical doctors and I just talked with them they're Christians. I'm not saying they have to be, but just if you know some medical doctors, even if they're not psychiatrists, but are somebody, a, counsel, a licensed counselor, a doctor, a psychiatrist, even you know, someone personally that would sit down and talk with you and say, I'm, I'm going through this. I'm not sure if what I have, that might be helpful. But let's say you've been diagnosed by bipolar. If you can sit down and talk with them, if it's someone you trust, that might be helpful because they might be able to help you talk through from a medical perspective. That was helpful to me very much because I wanted to talk to my other people. I knew their doctors. Is this the right approach? What would you do? And I got a second opinion. That's just me though. I told the psychiatrist, I'm going to go see someone else too. Cause not that I don't trust people, but it's just like, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And that really helped me. That really helped me is just talking to my friends who are doctors, medical doctors, and they're like, yeah, you need to be on medicine. It's okay to be on medicine. And they said, look at it this way: at least in the short term, yes. Long term, we can figure that out. But short term, you need to be on it for you, because people with bipolar have a like ten to twenty times higher rate of death by suicide than the right. national population. Right, and that is sobering. And I'm like, wow, I, you know. And so I, I think just doing that in a new life today, like they have a counselors, they they recommend, they have resources. They have a radio program you can call and ask questions. And they're one of the ones that encouraged me to start with a small group, but start to be more open with it, to listen to good professional advice. And from a Christian perspective, they told me that, and it really helped encourage me in that regard. That's that's
1: good. That's a great resource. Mm -hmm. That's a really good resource. Of course, with me being a licensed counselor, I am hugely a proponent of talking to a professional, a mental health professional, talking Mm -hmm. to someone who's aware Mm -hmm. so that they can guide you through your healing journey. Mm -hmm. And I would also say, because a lot of times there's different things that come up, like hallucinations and things like that. And just being able to talk those things Mm -hmm. out can help you with processing with, with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Most definitely talking with someone, it, I believe personally, and I guess I'm biased, I believe everyone should see a counselor or a
2: therapist to help you process these days. What's worse than that happen, you go to one and see one for a couple of times and they say, maybe you should just come once a year and for a checkup. And I guess to me, that'd be the greatest thing that could happen. But I guess the thing about it is w- maybe some of us are afraid to hear, maybe you need help. But that's okay, though, if you need help, because all of us do. And something. There's always something,
1: and there's always trauma. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we live in a fallen world. Yeah. So, just trying to figure out the brokenness of the world we live in mm-hmm. and processing what we
2: see and experience can be a healing thing. Yeah. And yeah. I'll say this there's talking about. Now, YouTube, this is not a Christian perspective. I I don't think the guy's a Christian that runs it, but there's a YouTube channel called Polar Warriors, and you can edit this out if you don't. No, Polar Warriors.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, I like the
2: name already. But he's bipolar, and I just want to tell you before you watch, there are some videos with some language, and he talks about Uh things that bipolar people go through, like sexual issues. So I'm just saying don't watch it with your kids, because he gets really, he really talks about it. But... He asked things like some advice on how to help, things that people with bipolar go through. It's one of the few YouTube channels that I would recommend to people. And there's a a couple of other people on there that are like psychiatrists that have them. To me, I like people that have done their research or who are really certified to do it. Because you're going to find lots of bad information on anything on YouTube. And there's lots of great too. But I'm just saying, just... Be careful. But yeah, he has some really interesting videos and I'll watch them. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I've never gone through the sexual addiction part of it or the drug addiction part, which is a higher rate in bipolar. But now I can understand, like, well, wow, you summed up 10 things or several things not to say to people with bipolar. Some things I could think about, just some things to help other people to help people with bipolar. It's just they're fun videos and they're really a good perspective for someone who has it. And I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I'm just saying, like, I don't see really much in there from a faith perspective. And so he dives into some very adult conversations. So I am just want people to know that, if that makes sense.
1: I don't think we should be scared to have these adult conversations, no, even in these faith-based communities. No. It's what's happening.
2: Yep. But I just want people to know that so they're not watching it with their kids.
1: It's much appreciated. Mm. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me on Elisha Space. I loved hearing your story. Mm-hmm. I love learning more about what you do. I think it's amazing and fantastic. In this cycle of your journey, you're reaching out to the college students mm-hmm. and sharing the, with them the love of God within your own experiences and things of that nature. I think it makes you probably more organic to them. So thank you so much for joining. And audience of Elisha Space, I would like to take a moment to just continue to encourage you, to just continue to give you hope. And as you keep going forward within your journey, I hope and I pray that your healing gets stronger and stronger And that you go from faith to faith and from glory to glory in greater peace, love, and joy. Be well.
0: Thanks for listening and we hope you'll subscribe so we can keep the conversation going. Now go move forward in your healing journey.